shot and a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Zayden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, it sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Sadis plays inside the 18th, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in! Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick sent into the box now. Hervé there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in! Donovan Vines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it! Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions! Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hendo. Welcome into the 12th episode of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. As always, I'm Brendan Hartlove, joined this time by... Tom Hindle. Tom. And it's a triumphant return, it, Brendan. Indeed it is. I'm really upset that I didn't get to be on the one last week when the Englishman happened to be interviewed, but it's fine. I'll let it go. Yeah. I'm here. I, I, I knew you were going to be a little bit bitter about that, but that's just somehow, sometimes how these things work. So apologies, but get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. Um so you kind of took a little bit of a a little bit of a hiatus for multiple things this past weekend, did you not? That was shade. <laughs> that was real shade. Yeah, I feel like I'm allowed to, to give that shade a little bit okay. after what I went through. Well, feel free to explain, Sunshine. So if you're not aware of what happened... Uh, Which on, they likely aren't. They probably are, and I would not blame you if you're not. This was Sunday? Yes, Sunday. it was. So on Sunday morning, I wake up to a text message from Tom saying, uh, Hey, mate, uh, any chance you could write the game recap today for the Northwestern game? And I laughed it in text. I, I but there I was, laughed in your was, face. There over was a text. lull. Yes, there there was. And uh, um, I I honestly thought you were joking until you explained the situation. And we exhausted every resource possible because I have not written anything journalistically since well since I took that class like freshman year. But I don't really count that the two hundred one. No. But since high school was the last time I'd actually written something journalistically. Um, and so I live-tweeted the game, uh, which was actually quite fun. Ben Curtis came over and watched the game with me, so I wasn't totally alive. Live-tweeting's live a good time. It is. It is. It was um, It was different because, obviously, I am live broadcasting, typically, these games. Yeah. Or live shouting at the television at these games. <laughs> I haven't really been live-tweeting. So did that, um, and then you were kind enough to, to give me some guidance with that. And then Max Marcella, our other station director, um, helped me significantly with the, with the editing. Yeah. But I am... Um, I am now. I sent my mom the link uh, to to the article, and I said I'm finally a published writer. And her response to me was in all lowercase letters, "About time." <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks, mom. Appreciate the love and support." But no, she was joking. I actually read it. And so, mom, I know you normally listen to these. Love you. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I, I just thought that was kind of funny in the moment that I had spent hours of my day, and I was very proud that I wrote this article. Yeah. She was just like, "I." 
Yeah, cool. <laughs> I've got. To, I've got to point out you did. You promoted it to no end on social well, media. Yeah, because it's a. It's hopefully the only time that's ever gonna yeah. happen. So yeah. Um. So that's enough about that. Yes, I. I can. I can do it all. So we'll. We'll leave. Yeah, we'll leave I don't it know about that. that. Get um, me in the booth. I. I actually. We've had you in the booth, but yeah, get me properly in the booth. <laughs> um. But yeah. So if you go read the last game recap article of Northwestern, that was yours truly. Um, so enough on that. I always like to, I always like to begin with kind of opening remarks. Those were actually not intended to be the opening <laughs> remarks. Um, I actually have a, an interesting tidbit that I found out this week and then, then some wholesomeness that I, I want to sure. briefly get into. Sure, mate. Um, so as m- most people know, Paul Ben, who was supposed to be one of the seniors on the team, tore his ACL on the first uh, day of preseason this year. And Paul has uh, gone through a lot with mental illness and depression over um, the past few years. And that was a big story that came out last year. And again, tearing his ACL. He's now back. Um, he's been back for, I think, two weeks or so now. And for a class slash, I'm hoping to also put this out for WMUC, um, I'm doing a story on Paul and just kind of his recovery and yeah. wh- where he is now now that he's back uh, on campus. And so Tuesday I went to practice and had the opportunity to um, chat with Paul both conversationally and interview him, all that kind of stuff. And um, he was fantastic, and I'll get into that a little bit more. But the we were kind of talking about his injury and everything, and this was not during the interview. It was just he and I chatting like yeah. we do. And he was like, well, the – he said one thing is that it this injury got him out of serving in the Korean military. Oh, I I heard that from who? Someone suggested that that would be a thing. I've got I've got a Korean mate. Oh, okay. Who was who was talking about that 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 might have been a thing? Yeah. So I at first I I <laughs> didn't process that, but then it clicked, and I remembered the situation. And the situation, if you don't know, is that all males in South Korea. Uh, have to serve two years of military service between the ages of 20 and 28. Paul's now, I think, just turned 23 um, not too long ago. And uh, so, but that would be like right in kind of the prime yeah. of his career somewhere. And so it's obviously not very convenient. And you saw uh, Youngman Son, the Tottenham player. Yeah, who, same that thing. Was, that same thing. And so, but I was like, what do you mean? And Paul said, well, uh, we were kind of looking through stuff and apparently uh, and a uh, tear of an ACL is medical exemption for military service yeah. in South Korea. And he he said he does not want to become an American citizen because he loves Korea and wants to remain a citizen there, so he would have to keep that, that citizenship, sure. and the military service would be part of that. Um, and he was like, yeah, because technically we're still at war with the, with the North or something. I just, the way he said <laughs> it, was, it was quite funny. Um, but, yeah, so I was like, well, buddy, if there's one positive thing to come out of this whole thing— yeah. There you go. And Sash didn't even know about that. I told I was talking to him later that afternoon, and he was like, "I, I had no, I had no idea." But yeah, that makes sense. So um, that was just something that was kind of a, an angle of this whole thing that I had not considered, and I don't think many other other people would consider too. So um, that was the interesting tidbit. Yeah. And the wholesomeness also stems a lot from from Paul Ben, and I I want to have him on the podcast at some point, uh, maybe in yeah. the offseason, just kind of update, and obviously, of course, when we get into the next year, um, but literally since the, this is going to get a little a little cheesy and a little... Love that. Yeah. Um, so, I have always said, and Tuesday just kind of furthered this, this sentiment, that Paul is one of the most genuine, down-to-earth sincere guys you will ever ever meet except the fact that he's a chelsea fan that's beside the point but 
he every time I've talked to him, he always he always comes up to me, gives me a big hug, and I, I'm always like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And he's like, "Great, how are you?" And so, but but every time, it's not just a "Oh, hey, what's up?" kind of thing. It's a "Hey, how are you? What have you yeah. been up to?" And Paul genuinely is asking what's going on with you. And I, I just don't know how many athletes at any level of any sport genuinely ask reporters or journalists what's going on with them and how they are. And he is just so sincere. And I met when he first got injured, I was actually kind of the one to, to break this news, if you will, that Paul got injured. And I pieced the puzzle together. Um, and so I messaged him on, on Instagram and I just said, keeping him in my thoughts and all that kind of stuff because yeah. he's always been fantastic. And, and he responded then. We messaged a few times back and forth when he was in Korea. But when I was with him Tuesday, he said, and by the way, I just want to say again, when you reached out to me, that really meant a lot. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. And just everything that he says is with so much feeling and so much sincerity that I, I, I wanted to bring this up because a lot of people that are listening probably don't have the the ability to interact with Paul as frequently as I do or we we might be able sure. to. And I, I feel like that goes unnoticed. The the character of, of that guy and after everything he's been through, to to see him talk about this and see how his mindset is now um, after going through everything with the, the depression and the mental illness and taking time away from the team and then coming back and now this horrible injury and just kind of seeing his his outlook on things. And it's not it's never woe is me or these things are unfair kind of thing. It, he says every single time I'm I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. That, that gets me nowhere. This is nobody's fault. And I'm going to continue to work hard and come back from this. And so just being with him on Tuesday, I walked away from that. Just it really kind of puts things into perspective a lot, too, when you look at what other people have been through. And the fact that he is genuinely one of the nice guys in the game and in kind of anything. Um, And so he is I just kind of wanted to bring that up because, like I said, I feel like that doesn't always people aren't always able to see that. And this is not because I work with the team. I'm trying to kind sure, of sure. promote them or anything. This is that I human to human. Paul is a fantastic, genuine, sincere guy that I have a ridiculous amount of admiration and respect for. Well, you know what? For lack of a better way of articulating it, mm-hmm. he's a top lad. Indeed he is. Yeah. And he just, I, I, I want to have him on and talk about so much stuff because I know it, We've got to have the Paul Bin podcast. Yeah, it's going to be three that, hours long. I mean, it very well could be because I my this, my story for class has to be a minute and 15. I have to keep it that short. Yet I could do a 10-minute documentary on Paul. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up and have those be kind of the opening remarks and just say that this team as a whole, you see the chemistry. You see all of them are such nice guys. They come up to us at practice when we're there and everything yeah. and chat with us. And so I know a lot of teams focus on chemistry and, and kind of – positivity but this team absolutely does and i think that's important as we go into the postseason which was kind of going to be my transition so sorry if that was a little long-winded that just i i wanted to to be able to kind of put that out there so but he's still a chelsea fan he is still a chelsea fan so if you want to hold that against him great i i won't i won't Um, i promise paul so now we'll actually start um, kind of the rundown as we'll do the pre or the recap of the game against Northwestern. Then we'll, we're going to have a sit-down interview with Matt DeRosa. We've had Ben on. Now Matt gets his chance to respond to some things. <laughs> to some um, criticism. To some criticism and uh, other banter. And then when we come back from that, we will have a preview of the second 
Indiana matchup of the year in the Big Ten tournament semifinals, and then we'll touch a little bit on what the Big Ten championship could be if yeah. Maryland gets to that stage. And then our Pro Turf segment might be a little bit um, different as well, but but it, perhaps in a good way. I was um, going to say a little sneak peek. You we'll, didn't want to we'll, tease that exactly, too much. Exactly, exactly. So um, it may have to do with uh, some guy that's that's received some some lofty praise and uh, caught the eye of uh, maybe the national team. But yeah. That just completely gave it away. But anyway. Sneaky, sneaky. Northwestern. Anyway. The Terps traveled to a very chilly Evanston right on the, the shores of Lake Michigan. Frigid. Frigid Evanston. Was, was, the, was the term I think I used in my, my gorgeously written game recap. You what now? My gorgeously written oh, game recap. Oh, indeed. Uh, or so it, it has been explained to me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but it was uh, very difficult conditions, and that actually played a lot into the game and kind of the wind. Absolutely. And so in, we're, there's not a ton in this match. Um, so it's not going to be our normal play-by-play kind of recap. Wish it could be. Wish it could be. Um, but you could tell from the get-go that the wind played a factor. And so in the first half of the game, um, again, typical lineup by Maryland. Yeah. No, nothing to go into there. I also tweeted a little, nice little lineup graphic. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do now, by the way. Okay. I'm I'll, getting I'll, into the lineup graphic uh, game. Do you know the app for that? Absolutely not. Okay, but I'll I'm, tell you I, later. No, 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 I'm figuring it out organically. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, so normal lineup for uh, Maryland and Northwestern had the advantage of the strong wins in the first half. Yeah. And that really kind of showed. But Maryland set up their game plan um, to kind of combat that. And from my uh, watching of the game, and from I'm sure yours as well, in the first half, Maryland played extremely narrow yeah, and kept the ball on the ground quite a bit and attempted to kind of um, withstand that pressure from Northwestern because talking to some of the guys afterwards um, and Sasha, they said that we knew if we didn't concede in the first half. The goal was to not concede in the first yeah. half. It maybe wasn't to, for them to get on the board because that would have been a great challenge with the conditions, but they wanted to get to halftime, have the win in their favor in the second half, and then they know they would be on the front foot. Yeah, it was an uncharacter- uncharacteristically defensive performance, to be honest. I know why we don't have you in the booth. Okay, please stop. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, you you've got to play like that. You've you've got to be able to read what you're doing, and that's why obviously Sasha is such a great coach. And maybe that seems like soccer 101 to some people, yeah. or coaching 101 for that matter. But it's it's very very tempting to push up yeah. away from home. Um, but you know he figured it out, and they they withstood, which is exactly what they had to do. Thought Brett and Martin in particular in the first half was terrific at the back. Faced a lot of long balls, and we know that's been tough for the Terps, especially over the past few weeks. But he handled those very well, especially with the wind making those a lot of those long balls Absolutely. more difficult. Absolutely. Um, and so, also in that first half, um, Northwestern, a lot of their threats come from the wings. Yeah. And so they Maryland did a pretty good job of neutralizing that. Northwestern was able to get some crosses in, but. Box defending is something that the team Sasha has talked and yeah. we have talked a lot about. Gosh. That was much better uh, against Northwestern. Now, worth noting, in the 10th minute of play, Ben DeRosa left the game. Ben was dealing with an illness this weekend yeah. and was very, very sick that morning. They didn't know how much they were going to get out of him. So in about the 10th minute, Ben Ben left the game and did not return. So in your article touched on this, your tactical analysis, instead of perhaps shifting a lot of the pieces around, um, and maybe a different system or back something like three, that, I back thought. three, which would have made a lot of sense. Sash elected to just move Nick Richardson, who was recruited as a center back to then play right back, 
he slid back into Ben's spot and performed admirably. And then Jacob Chekroon, who's a freshman, saw his first game of considerable minutes. 79. About, there you go. Um, playing as that number six holding midfielder. Yeah, and it was it was a different system, obviously. Well, no, sorry. Rather, it was the same system, a different way that it operated. Yes. But you saw, you saw why Nick was kind of the vision for Nick was supposed to be a right back because yeah. he defended those really tricky wingers very well. And one thing I found particularly impressive was his ability, his ability rather to get to get forward and know those runs that yeah. Ben typically makes, the overlap around the outside and then the underlap cutting inside. Yeah. And it, in the second half especially, that looked like it might have you know created a few good chances for Maryland there. And also just Chacron just was was excellent there. Yeah. He's a different kind of player to Richardson. Richardson's a very gritty, grind it out ball winner. Chacron's a bit more finesse based, yeah. lots of kind of flicks, turns and passes, but it still worked. Yeah. And as just as a quick formation change, I thought it was just incredibly stable. Yeah. And so it's again when you're adapting to the conditions, you're adapting to uh different personnel changes with Ben going out. Um and Maryland did get into the locker room scoreless, which I which was the goal. Right. Um for the team, knowing that, that when they came back out uh, they would have the wind um, in their favor. And Sash said when they went to the locker room, he, he immediately said, I like where we are right now. He, he liked what he was yeah. seeing from the team and how they performed in the first half and was confident coming back out of the locker room. And then once they did, things really kind of opened up. You saw them using yeah. a lot more width because, um, like I said, it was very narrow. You didn't see the fullbacks pushing forward as much, and you saw a lot of the wingers tucking in and just making that midfield area very compact. Um, but in the second half, things really kind of opened up, and you saw much more um, intent and purpose from yeah, Maryland's attack absolutely. going forward. Um, and then – Kind of to not to fast forward too much, but in the 71st minute, uh, Nick Richardson from the right fullback spot makes a run into the box, absorbs a lot of contact from the Northwestern defender whose name. Two is, of them, two of them jumped on him basically. Yeah, they forgot, neglected to track the run, and then he was. He yeah. was just kind of there, yeah. and it was Kovacic who was switching the ball over, and Nick absorbed a lot of contact, and it was I I would argue stonewall stonewall penalty. Um, obviously Northwestern may feel differently, but didn't it, really complain. No, not uh, some a few of them did, but then others were kind of like, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's penalty. So yeah. um, credit where credit's due. Um, but then Eli Cronally for the second time this season grabbed the ball, stepped up, and slotted it into the. Right side of the goal, left side of the goalkeeper. I always, it's weird for me. I was going to um, say keepers. Yeah, and so, but with good confidence, and it was a well-taken penalty, and he goes over, and, and the, at the start of the season, we kind of rated the guys on their celebrations. We've kind of slacked off on that. Yeah. I have to do this because I have to give Eli some crap. He still claims that he does not know how to celebrate. Yeah, and you could tell. You could very well tell. He there, <laughs> There's a celebration like in FIFA, and you've seen other pros do it, where he runs in the corner flag, jumps up, and with both feet tries to kind of kick the corner flag and land and then go yeah. from there. Uh, yeah, so Eli jumped and kicked the corner flag but did not stick the landing at no, all. No, he did not. Um, which was kind of funny, and I, I, I plan to give him a little bit of crap about that. Today. Oh, absolutely. Um, because he, he, I think he posted on his Instagram story afterwards. He's like, 21 years old or whatever and still don't know how to celebrate or yeah. something. I know Alex posted on his Instagram story. He was laughing like it, Eli. So yeah. um, that – but, hey, he scored the goal. It doesn't matter <laughs> about the celebration at the end. Say. So the Terps are on top, one nothing. Um, it, they were – they didn't park the bus necessarily after that. No. But it was – they played with the mentality that they know the wind is in their favor. So they just can't – the only option for Northwestern – 
given to them by Maryland was the ball over the top, yes. which they didn't have because of the wind and made it a lot yeah. more difficult. <laughs> and so one of the only chances for Northwestern, one of the only really threatening chances, was a cross from the left-hand side towards the back post. And I know it was Ty Seeger for Northwestern who had one of those kind of downward headers that spikes down off the right. turf and ricochets back up towards the top of the net. And Nicholas Neumann read it brilliantly. Yeah. Great reflex save to parry it wide. And we've been really impressed with him this season. That game kind of proved it a little bit more. Just one of those moments, right? Yep. That was If that was going to be the goal, there it was, and yeah. just kept the Tups alive. Very yeah. nicely done. Yeah, and so the Terps, are, their game management was also fantastic in the way they kind of closed out that, that love, game. Love me a bit of game management. Always. Very. And, and it wasn't in a way that was perhaps, I feel like gamesmanship always had a little bit of a more negative connotation yeah. to it. It wasn't, oh, they were obviously trying to kill time, but it's not like, Oh, they were kicking the ball away, that kind of thing. Yeah, they it did was... it with class. They did it with uh, within the rules of the game. But they were very intelligent with how they did it, and that's one of the reasons why they were able to close out close out the result. True. So nothing, nothing to add on that. I mean, not particularly. Okay. Uh, you just no, that's fine. Kill time. Yeah. Kill time any way you can, especially yeah. when the other team really, really, really seasons on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, nicely done. So the Terps come out of a very chilly Evanston with the win in that was, I feel like I failed to mention maybe in the beginning, this was the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals. So tournament games are completely different as well. Oh, yeah. Different um, beast. Different beast. And that game, one of the points to come out of it, and Sash said it on the on the conference call afterwards, um, was that they had five freshmen in the lineup for the majority of that game. So Nick Richardson is technically a freshman. Shakroon came in. Malcolm Johnston. David Kovacic. Nicholas Neumann. Huh. More you know. Yeah. And so that's five. And then a lot of sophomores and stuff, too. But sure. that was five freshmen. And I think it was Eli that said, when I was talking to him afterwards, he said, for the freshmen, we've told them, your first season is over. This is postseason time. Yeah. This is when you act like, this is when you start belonging. Your first yeah. season is behind you. This is a season of three seasons, if you will. Right. And I, I really liked how he put that and said that you guys belong now. Your first year is over. You have that under your belts. Right. This is the time for you to kind of step in. And five of them did and did admirably. And yeah, you've seen all of them step up really, but particularly towards the end of that quote-unquote first season, yeah. right? But a play you've got to highlight for his performance, though, against Northwestern for me is Kovacic. Yes. He was absolutely brilliant in that midfield. And um, talk, talk to Sash, talked to some of the guys yesterday about him, and the sense was that he took a long time to adjust. Talked a lot about how in, you know, obviously European soccer, it's very, it's very passive move. There's not, exactly, there's not as much running. And he found it really difficult to adjust for a bit. But he's he's transitioned. He's looked he's looked great, and he had to put in a really kind of gritty That's performance. That's exactly the word I was going to say. Uh, yeah, a gritty <laughs> performance, which is if you'd seen the Kovacic at the start of the season, you'd say, "No, there's no way he'd yeah, do that." He was very classy, smooth. Kind exactly. Of. But just as a just as a ninety minute, and I think he did play the full ninety. I don't but, remember him leaving the field. I don't think he could have with uh, Nick moving back and right. all that oh, going Oh, well, there, thereabouts, he he was fantastic in that role and obviously had the crucial pass that won the won the penalty for Nick. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, he was excellent, and I'd look for him to continue that form, especially going forward. Yeah, and uh, we, we actually 
he hasn't been made available to the media too much just because he's still learning English. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's only been in the country for a few months, but we have talked to him. We talked to him after the game where he scored the two goals, the first the, the brace that was also the game after Brian got hurt. Yeah. Um, and then we, you and I chatted to him at, at training yesterday. Yeah, and a little bit off the record as well, and he, he has a great personality. He's brilliant. Um, and and he, his English is getting better, so credit to him. And I think that he was, was fantastic. Yeah, he was very good. We've started the guys that have come in, the freshmen that have come in that with a little bit of a language barrier. Yeah. I mean, it, if you heard the episode with Nicholas Neumann, like his English is fantastic. We, you guys, or you weren't there, but on Tuesday he was made available to the rest of the media for yeah. the first time. It was brilliant. Um, so these guys are kind of coming to their own. And that's you and I were talking yesterday that before we kind of get into the interview with Matt and then the preview and the rest of the season, that this team has an incredible chemistry about them. I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I mean that on the field, there's never really been too many moments where yeah, you said, oh, exactly. they weren't quite on the same wavelength yeah. or they, they were not on the same page. It's If there's ever been an issue, it's kind of been a lack of execution, yeah. technically. Um, and so you just – and you can tell at practice, the guys have a lot of fun oh, and, and, all, and off the field and everything. So there's a very good spirit around the team that translates very, very well onto the pitch as well. Yeah, and that execution is going to be incredibly crucial. Yes, Come Friday. Yes. Thus, I just made a transition. I, I appreciate the segue, <laughs> yes. So, um, so obviously, when we come back from the interview with Matt, I'm going to sit down with Matt this afternoon. We've kind of, again, flipped the format. The interview was supposed to happen Wednesday. They had to lift, so we had to rearrange the schedule a little bit. They had bit. to get huge. Yes. Uh, swole, as the children say. Swole, uh, um, Hench, as the Brits say. <laughs> I've never heard that. Good. Um, let's let's leave it that way. Um, so I'm going to chat with Matt this afternoon. Like I said, he's going to. I want Chase Gasper was kind of a, a role model for him a little bit, yeah. playing that left back role, and I want to see kind of what he learned from him. Um, interactions with Ben just growing up, because if you heard the one with Ben, they've never been like m- apart from each other for I think more than 24 hours or something kind of crazy. And like it was that. until the the game last year, right? It was the game at Northwestern last year yeah. where Ben got sick before the trip and missed the trip. This time he got sick on the trip. There's something with Evanson and Ben. That just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, but, I'm going to say we need to have um, a chat there. Yeah, so we're going to sit down with Matt, talk about a lot of things, um, and he, I think, is probably maybe one of the last uh, starters that's not maybe a freshman um, that, that we need need to have on. And I've been try- I've been wanting to have him on for a little while. It's just scheduling and things like that. So um, I think now is probably a good time to transition into the interview with uh, Maryland fullback Matt DeRosa. So now joined by Maryland left fullback Matt DeRosa. Matt, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Thank you for having me. So, well, we had Ben on, I think he was maybe the fourth episode. And I remember we were walking off the field from practice and to go do his. And I said we were going to have you on. This took so much longer to actually have you on than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, um, but now getting into Big Ten tournament play, I figured this was a good time. Schedule's worked out. So we can finally do this. Perfect. So um, just kind of to start off, take me through your journey from when you and I think one of you guys posted a picture of you guys in the crib together with the soccer ball. Mm -hmm. So from that moment up until when you got to the University of Maryland, kind of the clubs and just what that was like. Yeah. So Ben posted the Instagram, I think, right before we played the National Championship, Mm -hmm. maybe right after. Um, So we were in the crib. Uh, just born, my dad put a soccer ball in our in our crib. So he's actually from Paraguay. Um, so he's a huge soccer fan, um, and his love for the game kind of he kind of gave it to us uh, from an early age. So around like four years old, I started playing soccer. Like when I was little, I was kicking a ball. But uh, my first organized team was when I was four years old, and that was just kind of like a rec co-ed league, you know, 
uh, scoring lots of goals. <laughs> <laughs> didn't really mean much. Yeah. Um, and then when I was about maybe eight, nine years old, I uh, started playing travel soccer. And so that was for, so I'm from D.C. Mm-hmm. So that was for a local club called uh, D.C. Stoddard. And that was like, that was a good team to start with. Um, it kind of like helped me with my development. But it wasn't like, it wasn't a club where like it competes at a national level. Mm-hmm. So when I was 13, 14 years old, I went to a Bethesda soccer club. And right when I came, you know, we were deciding, should we play like high school soccer or not? Because with the academy, yeah. um, the academy, like you're not allowed to play high school soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a big decision for us. So we were like, let's go to Bethesda and we can still play high school soccer instead of like DC United. Mm-hmm. And right when we got there, they made this <laughs> announcement, uh, we're becoming an academy. Yeah. And so at first we were kind of like, you know, second guessing, like, should we go here? Uh, but then, you know, the coach kind of talked to us, Matt Nay, um, who's the, one of the youth coaches there. And he kind of told us, you know, academy is the, the best path for us. Um, and like, he sold it to us, uh, we bought in, and it was like the best decision of our lives. Like, uh, the development there was, uh, top level um it just kind of like made us who we are today mm-hmm. um we were able to really shine there and like uh get recruited by uh some schools uh, that we were interested in obviously maryland mm-hmm. uh so that was like our junior year of high school getting recruited by colleges going on lots of visits um in maryland uh Sasha approached us and uh coach brian roland who used to be here now is at temple he approached us um we went on a visit we loved it yeah, it just has everything here. It has the, the crazy college soccer atmosphere. Um, the coaching staff is amazing. They care so much about us. Um, and just uh, the academics, close to home, that was huge. Like We're kind of homebodies, me and Ben. Uh, love to be you know, near my mom, near my dad, near my sisters, um, my dog. So that was really nice. <laughs> um, and so we committed to Maryland about end of our junior year. Um, and, you know, it was nice because our senior year, we'd come to all the games, um, visit a couple times, meet the players. So it was a really smooth transition, uh, and that brought us to finally to Maryland. And I guess the rest, the rest was history. Yeah. And so when both of you have talked about this, your whole recruitment process, it's always when we visited Maryland, when we right. wanted to. So you guys, I understand, were a package deal when you were looking mm-hmm. for colleges. Was there ever, did that ever cause an issue? Or was there any kind of doubt about that? Like maybe you were like, hey, maybe we should look at this school. And I was like, nah, or vice versa, <laughs> or something like that. Um, in terms of like schools we each wanted to visit, it was never an issue. But having said that, it was definitely definitely a unique situation, you know. Two, two twin brothers getting recruited who <laughs> want to go to school together, package deal. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of a blessing and a curse that we played different positions because at one point, you know, at the same time, we're not we're not competing for the same spot. Yeah. So that would be an issue getting recruited. You know, like yeah. we don't want two left backs. <laughs> um, so it's nice that we play different positions. Having said that, some schools, you know, sometimes they'd be like, I only need a left back or I only need a right back. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, that really wasn't an issue. Uh, both, like a lot of schools were interested in both of us. Some schools even said, uh, which is kind of funny, like we want both of you. Um, but that's the deal. Like it has to be both of you or neither of you. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, not really sure the reasoning behind that, yeah. but maybe like one of us more than the other. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Didn't want to cause any family yeah. issues at Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we were very very grateful very thankful that uh Marilyn wanted both of us uh, and both gave us an opportunity to come here um and it just kind of made the most sense uh when we like 
we did some pros and cons for each school and Maryland was just just easy easy yeah. for us to choose and so when did you start playing left back because I know what even once you've gotten here you've played a few different mm-hmm. positions but when did that kind of become your your number one role yeah so growing up I played a lot of positions um primarily in high school I was a left winger and then my junior year of high school Sash approached me and he was like um we see you as a winger but we also see you as a left back like what do you think about playing left back yeah um and I had never played left back before. I was a junior in high school, left winger my whole life, basically. Um, and, you know, I just I thought about it. And it's like, you know, to play at Maryland, I'll play whatever position you yeah. want me, you know. <laughs> um, and so my senior year of high school, I transitioned to left back. And it was a really smooth transition, um, especially with my play style. I'm kind of like work hard defensively as a winger. Yeah. Um, so that translated well to left back. Um, and then while I've been here, um, you know, Maryland's like a – we have so much talent, um, so it's like whatever you can do to get on the field, you do it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was very flexible with uh, what position I played. Um, I think last year I played, like, left winger, left back when Chase was hurt. Yeah. Um, I even came on for Mar a couple times at center attacking yeah. mid, <laughs> center defensive mid. And then I think one one funny thing, I think it was last year's Big Ten semifinals against Indiana. I think Donovan was out. And I don't know whenever it was Brett or Johanna, someone got hurt. Yeah. Not to play center back for overtime. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so that I was a, about that. That was kind of funny. It was a, unique it was a weird experience. game. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be as weird. Yeah. Tonight when this when this yeah. will come out Friday. Um. So you mentioned uh, you were playing left back when Chase got hurt last year, mm-hmm. but you you kind of knew that once Chase left, you were going to be the the left back. Mm-hmm. What did you maybe? learn from him because now obviously he's gone on to kind of very Mm -hmm. quickly rise up the the pro ladder Mm -hmm. what did you kind of take from him or what was his kind of advice to you i mean yeah chase Chase is a great player like we've seen what he has done his rookie season in mls um getting called up to the national team and we all knew he had that in him um it was pretty evident from day one you know he's a he's a big time player uh for me it was especially beneficial because you know every day every practice every game i get to watch him uh learn from him um and he's like in addition to being such a great player such a great guy so you kind of just uh learn how to act both on and off the field um and you just try to you know take things from him uh especially at a place like maryland when you're not playing you just kind of you look to see you know what the guys on the field are doing um and try to take like what you can from that Mm -hmm. and so with chase you know i learned a lot about you know especially defending um just working hard every day um and getting better every day so um, I'm really thankful to Chase, and um, we have a great relationship. And so kind of going back and forth, and it's I know you and Ben have joked about it, but when he scored against Indiana in the Big Ten tournament, that was his first career goal. Mm-hmm. And then you scored against Indiana in the College Cup. Mm-hmm. That, that was your first career That was goal my first too. career Okay. Yeah. So you guys were, like, trying to one-up each other. <laughs> and then he had his one this year, but that doesn't, that doesn't matter. But – Scoring your first collegiate goal in the third or second rematch against Indiana in the College Cup, I mean, I, can you put those emotions into words? Have you been able to yet? Yeah, that was that was definitely a great moment in my career. Um, it's funny, right before that game, Ben and I were on the porch of the hotel and just like sitting, waiting, <laughs> waiting to leave the hotel. And Ben's like, "I got my first goal against Indiana. Hopefully, you get yours." 
And I was like, yep, hopefully I get it. And then I did. So That's awesome. It was an awesome experience. And so he has his one this year, but you still have plenty of time to, to live up to that one. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully hopefully it'll come uh, in a more important game. <laughs> there you go. You just got to keep one-upping him. Um, and so now this year you're an upperclassman. You're a lot of turnover from last year. And so you're one of those older heads, if you will. Um, what has that kind of been like? Because you've had so many new guys coming in, so many freshmen getting integrated in the team. How has that kind of been trying to incorporate them into the into the group? Yeah, so we had a lot of a lot of seniors leave. A lot of people uh, leave early. So it's a pretty different team this year. And as upperclassmen, what we wanted to do is make the experience, the transition for the freshmen, mm -hmm. as smooth as possible and integrate them into the team. So as the fall has progressed, we've um, we've gotten to know them a little better. You know, the personalities start yeah. to come out. Uh, it's a great like group of guys. Like, uh, not only are they uh, great players, but you know, we have so much fun with them off the field. Um, they're really funny. A lot of them, you know, a few clowns there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they've also done a really good job because we've had a lot of injuries this year, um, and we've kind of relied on our freshmen to step up and maybe take on a bigger role than they were expecting. Um, and they've done a great job with that. Um, so yeah, we're really we're really proud of them and happy to have them. And so now, going back to you and Ben, because when we had a, one thing he brought up was that last year against Northwestern, first of all, w whenever Northwestern comes up on the schedule, Ben just has <laughs> yeah. something go on. Ben, ben can't play against them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but he told me that when he got sick last year before Northwestern, that was the first time you guys had ever spent more than 24 hours apart from each other. Is that is that right? That is true. Yeah, it was pretty crazy and. And I've never really thought about it, how crazy it is, because just, like, every day, like, it's normal I see my you. brother. That, yeah. like, I've never really had a reason not to see him, you know? Yeah. We have all the same friends, like, we like the same things, like, even though we're still different. But yeah, <laughs> well, I was, I was, that was going to be my next thing, is how, because there, there's so, there are a lot of similarities between you guys. Not only mm -hmm. are you guys twins and stuff like that, but on the field and stuff like that. How do you guys differ? Because for a lot of people outside, they're like, oh, twins. You got the right back, you got the left back. Mm -hmm. They spend all their time together. But what kind of sets you guys apart? Yeah, so while we do have a lot of similar interests, we're – and people exaggerate this, but basically one thing about me that people don't – a lot of people like outside of my friends don't yeah. know about is that I'm very organized. Like mm -hmm. um, a lot of people on my team joke like that I'm obsessed over being organized. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike, Mike Heitzman loves to talk about how how clean I am, how yeah. organized. It's not uh, a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Like, <laughs> why can't someone be organized but not, you yeah. know? So OCD you just looked over at Eric in the corner of the room when you said organized. Eric yeah. is doing the Hear the Turtle podcast right now. <laughs> and when you said it's not a bad thing to be organized, you yeah. correct? Is, is that is that uh, something? That just he's all my discussed? roommates, you know, Eric gets on me for it. Uh -huh. uh, Mike gets on me for it. It's usually a joke, but you know, there's some <laughs> there's some truth behind it. But. Uh, that's one big difference is I'm very organized and Ben is not, not so much. Yeah. Not. Like sometimes I'll walk into his room and like there's clothes all over the place. You know, he might get mad at me for saying this, but like, no, it's he, you can't see the floor in his room. That's funny. That's, that's how bad it is sometimes. Um, and like, then he'll walk into my room, you know, my bed's made mm -hmm. it's a little more, a little more organized. Yeah. Um, so that's one big thing uh, that just top of my head that I think about mm -hmm. um, in terms of like personality, like, we're pretty similar. Ben might be a little more like um, a little more extroverted, mm -hmm. um, but I would say we're pretty similar. How do you guys not get sick of each other? And that, like, I mean <laughs> that in the nicest way possible. No, yeah, but that's a that's a good fair question. <laughs> um, how I answer that is that with a lot of friends, you know, you feel like 
with awkward silences, you know, you want to keep talking and yeah. say something. With Ben and I, like, we're perfectly fine just not talking. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's not weird. There's, you know, we're silent. Like, mm-hmm. we don't feel like a need to be always talking. So even though we're with each other, it's not, it's kind of like we're alone. Like, yeah. There's no small talk yeah, that needs there's to no, kind of like, fill the air. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so is there, and I know you probably get asked this a lot, but I'm going to genuinely ask this. Like, the whole twin telepathy thing, do you guys feel like you're on the <laughs> same page a lot? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Like, when someone says something, like, sometimes we'll, like, have the same reaction to it and, like, without needing to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and, like, growing up on the field, um, especially when we are younger, it's easy just to do, like, when we both play, like, winger. Mm-hmm. We both just do, like, little giving goos around everyone, like, <laughs> when we are in elementary school. Yeah. And we just kind of know, like, uh, have that chemistry on the field. Yeah. Um, it's a little harder now that we're left back and right back kind of far away, but yeah. you don't, still helps You with, shouldn't uh, interact too much right. on the field. <laughs> still helps with, like, uh, covering for each other and stuff yeah. like that. Um, like, Ben has this one move uh, that he always does. He's known for it. He just kind of looks to the outside and swerves in. Mm-hmm. And so when I see that, I know, all right, Ben's about to dribble. Like, I'll only cover in case he loses it kind of thing. Yeah. Like, so it's a little things like that. Uh, definitely have a lot of chemistry. As for twin telepathy... <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> we used to have a little joke where, like, we'd we'd memorize, like, a set of numbers and then tell someone, you know, uh, <laughs> guess guess what number's in my head, and we'd tell the person yeah. without, like, Ben seeing, and then Ben would guess it. they think it's crazy. <laughs> so it was all kind of planned, yeah, like a like little magic trick exactly. kind of thing. Um, so I think that's probably a good transition to kind of the, the off-the-field stuff. Um, and, I mean, we talked about it before. It's just kind of the random questions that have absolutely nothing to do with Some have okay. some things to do with soccer. So a, a lot of them don't. Um, it's not timed. You can give as many answers as you want, but just kind of something to let people get to know you a little bit better mm-hmm. than um, than maybe your bio on the website or just on the field. So what would you say maybe is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oof. Um, I'm not a huge movie guy, to be honest. I'm a big, big TV show, big okay. Netflix guy. Yeah. Um, but movie, I don't know. I love Captain Phillips. Like mm-hmm. Ben, and I saw that re- movie freshman year, and we just loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know that's his favorite too. So I was hesitant <laughs> to say it. No, no, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, um, but yeah, more of a more of a Netflix guy. So then that was gonna be my next question: TV shows uh, and kind of um, what are you watching there? Right now, I'm watching a lot of shows. I'm watching uh, Peaky Blinders okay. season five, wrapping that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Top Boy is a new oh, season. Yeah, it's I think it's directed by Drake. So. Hmm. Um, like that a lot. Um, there's a show that our team watches. I don't know if anyone's told you about it. I think so. So somebody in Island. <laughs> yeah. Who did I? Oh, I think Ben mentioned it and then got the name wrong and then messaged me saying he got the name of the show wrong. And I never ended up correcting. So what? what is it actually? Temptation Island. <laughs> okay. And that's different than Love Island, right? Isn't, um, that, isn't that another one? I don't know about Love Island. I don't either. But well, our team watches Temptation Island a lot. Okay. Like, that's, so that's so what is that for people like myself <laughs> who don't completely understand that? So I wasn't the first one to watch it. Okay. I watched Just it. Like, I kind of got peer pressured into watching it. Uh-huh. Um, it's basically <laughs> it's four couples uh-huh. who are at a crossroads in their relationship. <laughs> mm. they, uh, they don't know if they want to get married. Mm. They go to this island and they split up. Uh, four men are in like a, a house with like twelve single women, and then four the four women in the couples twelve are with twelve men in, in the house. Wow! Um, and so, that as you can, as you can imagine, why it's called Temptation Island. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of drama. Very entertaining. Wow. Who is who is the most into that? Maybe. 
I don't know who most who's the most into it, but who talks about it the most? Definitely like, no, definitely Eric. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric, I think Justin Gielen, Nick Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. That is just that is not the show I would have. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect our team to watch that show, but. No. Do they all get together and watch, or do they watch nah, it separately? We watch separately. I'm okay. I'm behind. I'm on season one still. Okay, so. so you got some catching up to do. Yeah. I just didn't know if there was like a whole like team viewing party where you nah. all get together. <laughs> that would have been real fun. <laughs> um, so music. Um, I know some people have like pregame pump up playlists, but others don't, mm-hmm. and some just like listening to music off on their own. What is your kind of musical taste? Yeah, so I switch off pregame. Um, Listening to my earphones and listening to the speaker. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of guys who uh, who love to be on the ox, um, <laughs> and we have we have such a diverse group yeah. that like we have all different types of music. We have uh, we have some EDM which I like a lot before a game mm-hmm. gets me pumped up. Uh, we have like hip hop rap, um, but definitely I would say hip hop rap and EDM are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, like big Drake fan, um, yeah, like Avicii, like. Mm-hmm. All all sorts of music. Who is the worst on Ox? Like when they when they worst? reach for it, it's just um, everybody yells now. Probably Marcus. Yeah, uh, one of our freshmen. Yeah, huh. he uh he gets on a lot, and sometimes we're like Marcus, like turn this off. <laughs> what like, does he play? Uh, it's a lot of rap, but like it's the rap you don't want to listen to for a game. Gotcha. Like, with like weird kind of weird intros. <laughs> um. And, like, sometimes the coaching staff in there were just like, Marcus, no. Like, <laughs> not now. Um, so when you got to Maryland, everybody has to sing a karaoke song. Um, it's kind of an initiation mm-hmm. type of thing. Do you remember what you sang? I have a story about that, too. Go for it. Um, so I sang, I believe I sang Slow Hands by Niel Haran. Oh. I don't okay. know if that's how you pronounce it. So. I, I don't know. Um, we'll say for the sake it is. Yeah. So... As a freshman, you know, everyone, whoever joins the team, uh, transfers, we do a little karaoke on the bus, first road trip. Um, and one rule that I really did not like was that you can't use lyrics when you're singing. So you have, basically you have one earphone in, you have the microphone, uh, and you sing a song. And I am terrible at remembering lyrics. Really? So I was like, guys, like, if you want a good performance... Uh-huh. Uh, let me let me read the lyrics. Yeah. But they're all like, no, no. Like, <laughs> how do you not know a single song by heart? And I'm huh. like, like I'm not very good at that. Mm-hmm. And so it was awful. Like, worst, possibly worst karaoke in like Maryland soccer history. Wow. Yeah. That is a high bar. But then it gave me like this reputation of being a terrible singer. Oh. Which I don't, you know, I don't, I don't gotcha. agree with that. Okay. So, so you think your your skills as a singer? My singing skills, you know, are are above average for my team. Okay. I'd say. Mm-hmm. My uh my memorization of lyrics yeah very very below average gotcha yeah. so you would need like a little teleprompter I need like a little at least like a like little on, on the phone little iPhone with the lyrics yeah uh, <laughs> keep me going but um so okay so if you're maybe an above average singer who is maybe the worst singer on the team there's worst been several singer? several people tossed around um I'm trying to think. We have some good singers, to be honest. Then go for the good, go, go for the good ones first. Class, yeah, like you know, we might not admit it to them, but oh yeah, they were uh, they were pretty impressive. Hmm. Uh, Jacob Jacron, really? He kind of killed it. What did he sing? Do you remember? Um, uh, no, I can't remember. Um, but Malcolm Johnson, yeah, he's good too. Really? Um, now is it true that you 
you let them pick their songs and then they sent them on the group <laughs> chat and then you told them, okay, you have yeah. to pick a different song. So usually you don't know that you're about to do the karaoke. Gotcha. And then we ask you, like, you want to do karaoke? And everyone's like, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. But this time they knew it was planned, so they uh-huh. had songs ready, maybe even practiced. Mm-hmm. So we told them, you know, everyone pick a song. Ten minutes later, we we're like, all right, and put in the group me. Yeah. So there's proof that that was their song. And then <laughs> we're like, all right, you can't do that song. <laughs> wow. I think I think Luke said that, or somebody told me, he was no, it was Brett. No, that wouldn't make any sense. I don't know. Somebody said they had like been studying for like a week or so before, and <laughs> at the last second they were like, "Oh come on, you've got to be kidding me." Maybe, maybe I Marcus. I don't know. I was somebody we had on. I don't remember who it was. Um, so then maybe who's who's the worst then? Worst. Um, Again, we said toss anybody under the bus you want. I can't remember if Nicholas was good or bad. I'm pretty sure he's pretty bad. I so he. Yeah, I heard he wasn't great. He did We Will Rock You, I believe. Oh, yeah. It was just kind of like that song like anyone can sing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so he was like, I got to pick something like, because English is not like his yeah. thing fully. Yeah, so. to be fair. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a tough thing. Well, to what about Johannes? Because you, you've known oh. Johannes for a while, and yeah. he's gotten, so he defended himself and said that he was actually fairly good. But, no, I don't. Okay. I did not think Johannes was okay. very good. Uh, Paul Bin thinks he's the best, but. Okay. And he's I was talking, okay. So he's only okay in your eyes. That's interesting. He's definitely the most confident. Okay. That, that goes that, a long that's like way half of it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't know if he's the most talented. Fair. Because he was. I was up in the training room with them Tuesday or whatever, and he was like, "Yeah, they haven't heard like the golden pipes or whatever he <laughs> called." I don't know what he said. Um, so if you had to do a karaoke duet with somebody, not mm-hmm. Ben, because that just doesn't count, and yeah. you may not even want to. Who would you pick as your as your uh, duet partner? Definitely Eric. Yeah. Uh, Eric and I. We've we've done karaoke in the past. Yeah. Um, How's that just, gone? Just fun for fun. It's gone well. We both get into it, <laughs> get passionate. Uh, yeah, def- definitely, Eric. Interesting. I'd like to see that. Um, so, what is your what is your major here? We'll we'll do the academic stuff because yeah. that's you have to sometimes. <laughs> uh, so I'm in the business school. Okay. Uh, I'm studying information systems. Okay. What made you want to get into that? So basically, that's just like it's basically like technology and in business mm-hmm. um and you know technology is becoming increasingly important mm-hmm. so i just thought uh, that'd be a good thing to study a good thing to major in um and i took my first like intro to information system class mm-hmm. and i loved it so i was like you know i'll just i'll do this it was basically that or finance and yeah. i just <laughs> you know either either one's good but i just i just went with information yeah. systems and so you got some recognition for your academics uh out in the college cup you want to explain explain what that was yeah, so I got the uh, the Elite 90 award. Um, it's given to the student with the highest GPA in the Final Four. Um, so I knew I was nominated for it uh, because whoever has the highest GPA on the team gets nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, at the ceremony, they announced my name, and I got this little trophy. Um, and I was I was grateful. Like, I wasn't I didn't really know that much about it beforehand, so I wasn't yeah. like. It's not like my whole life I've been wanting to get the Elite <laughs> 90 award, <laughs> but it's definitely a definitely a good accomplishment, a uh, good thing to have. Um, and then I was also I was also grateful for my uh, academic advisor, Kaylee. She uh, she helped me a lot, so I was happy for her that I got that award as well. And so, kind of just going back to some of the the other ones, what what is maybe the most interesting place you've traveled, and and what took you there? Probably Santorini, Greece. Really. Um, I don't know about most interesting, but definitely, like, my favorite trip by far. Um, probably, like, the most beautiful place I've ever been. Wow. Um, it's, like, an island, beautiful view. I always see on Twitter, like, 
top 10 most beautiful places in the world and Santorini is always there wow so that was definitely it was a family vacation okay um so that was a great time i was like i think 15 years old wow. um so it was a little while ago but definitely a memorable trip and so kind of back to the throwing some teammates under the bus because that's that's <laughs> the the primary goal of this podcast um who's maybe the most likely to oversleep be late to something oh easy easily craig okay craig i mean this I'm there's not a bad day craig, that honestly. this man is not late really <laughs> like he comes 10 minutes late and he's early for him like hmm. um he he disagrees but it's it's pretty shocking how many how many times he sleeps in or is wow. like i just woke up like <laughs> it's pretty funny um what about maybe the the messiest or most unkept either apartment lacquer last year that question would have been so easy with uh paul oh. friendek um, he was easily the messiest kind of <laughs> unkept <laughs> person. Uh-huh. Um, but he left, and this year, like, I don't mean to throw Craig under the bus again. That's fine. I'm <laughs> going to uh, have Craig on at some I point because I think we need Craig. to talk. He's been getting a lot of heat, I'm sure, on the yeah, show. Yeah, he has. Uh, probably Craig. Okay. We're going to have a little chat with Craig. <laughs> um, so you're in, in your apartment, it's it seems like a pretty entertaining group of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what is maybe – the the most banter that you have going on most banter originally like usually it's it's fortnite mm-hmm. um but I actually uh i recently retired from fortnite really so that those are some big news wow um big smile from eric as he leaves <laughs> the room <laughs> so basically i'll tell you basically i started playing fortnite as like a social thing like it's fun to get, hop on with your friends yeah um and you know game's obviously fun but i would never play it alone like i would never play yeah just playing the xbox alone mm-hmm. so i'd always do it just to like uh play with eric play with ben um and also our team impact uh we have a uh, tanner Reyes. he's on our uh, team impact he's like from team impact which yeah. is a non-profit organization um that pairs a teenager a child with a serious illness yeah uh with a like a local athletic team mm-hmm. and so i first met tanner over the summer um and heard he was really into fortnite and uh, we've been able to like, we've been able to I guess maintain a close relationship through Fortnite. Um, it was a lot of fun playing with him. I'd play with him, Ben, and Eric. Uh, <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. But eventually, I don't know I don't know what changed, but all of a sudden I just didn't really feel like playing Fortnite. Like huh. it was more of just a social thing. Like I liked playing, and like back then I was like the same level, like same skill level as like Ben, Eric, uh, Tanner, Mike. Well, Eric's Eric's a little. I was I Eric's a little below great. us, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, but. <laughs> At Mike and Ben, like, we were all pretty even. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when Ben went on the podcast, uh, I don't know what he said, but... I believe he said that he was the superior okay. player. Um, back then, we were pretty even. Um, but since then, Ben has put in some hours. Like Interesting. Like, I, I kind of retired a little while ago, and, and Ben's put in some hours, like, every day. So, it's kind of, of gone the opposite direction. So, Ben has definitely surpassed me. Okay. And since, like, in the past, I don't know, six weeks, I've probably played, like, two times. Mm-hmm. And I just I just was not at the level. Wow! It's bringing the group down. Gotcha. Um, it's crazy how much we just take a little time off. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. For Fortnite, I think you got to give the the crown to Ben. Yeah. But he's also put in the most hours. So I don't that's know true. if that's if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. But I was not expecting an official retirement announcement on the yeah, podcast today. A little, a little surprise. Bittersweet. Yeah. Um, the order though. Even even with me in retirement, has uh-huh. to go. Ben, me and Mike very similar still. Okay. 
maybe Mike a little ahead, and then Eric uh, last. So so Eric's like probably way. Because didn't yeah. he just get? Has he gotten any better? Because I know he had just gotten an Xbox at the beginning of the season. Well, he's always playing on Alejandro's Xbox. Okay. So we can't really use that as an excuse. Interesting. Um, okay. Did not know that. No. He played it off as like he, he didn't have access to the whole. No. He, wow. He's he's been playing for a while now. Like to be fair, not as much as us, but yeah. he's definitely been playing, and his his improvement has been uh pretty exponential because <laughs> he was pretty uh <laughs> pretty shocking to begin with, um but now like we can easily play with him. Mm-hmm. It used to be the type of thing where like, oh Eric's playing like <laughs> it's not it's fun to be with eyes. him, but <laughs> yeah, like he kind of bring the level down, huh. but. And so, so we we had Eric. I think he was the first player we had on the podcast. Just over the course of this season, I've come to learn how big of a clown he is. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Eric Matzlevich moment or story or anything that you can share on air that um, yeah that kind of epitomizes I, what Eric is? What Eric is? Yeah. Yes, I, I have one. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be too happy with me, but yeah, it doesn't matter. One time uh, we were over at uh, Landmark at Eli's apartment, just hanging out. And uh, Eric thought it'd be funny to take a sand on the table and take a huge uh, bite of butter, just <laughs> straight butter. Um, and that's a moment that represents Eric pretty well because wow. Eric, you just never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, like, he's so energetic, so funny, always in a great <laughs> mood, and just kind of does whatever. Like. He'll flip like like oh, just like a yeah. switch will just go off, and he's all of a sudden like 110 yeah. percent, or he'll just come right exactly. back down, kind of thing. He's a uh, you never know what you're going to expect. Wow. So that was kind of a funny moment. We're all just kind of like, what? Like, why'd you do that? <laughs> I don't know what else can follow that up, honestly. <laughs> um, so one thing that can follow it up is the game against Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. We'll kind of round it out with this, bring it back to soccer and a little mm-hmm. less butter. Um, so second time you've played them this year. Now, first game was a 3 nothing victory, uh, three first-half goals. Now, Sasha and a few of you guys have said that scoreline may be a little flattering to you guys. Mm-hmm. But what is kind of the, the message in the team going into such a big matchup in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah. Our message for us is that um, we just have to bring the energy. Uh, against a team like Indiana, we have so much respect for them. They're such a good opponent. Uh, I think this is our fifth time playing them in the past two years. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's a lot of times <laughs> kind of developed a little bit of a, a healthy rivalry mm-hmm. over the past two years, um, at least for my time here. Yeah. Um, so we know we have to, you know, bring the energy, win the second balls, um, and just focus on every play, never take a playoff. I think that's the most important thing because you never, you never know. You can't take a playoff. You might, you know, good teams will punish you. Mm-hmm. So, great. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're listening to the Ludwig Lowdown with Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hindle. So once again, I'd like to thank Matt for taking the time to sit down with me, and he is going to have his hands full against Indiana because, as we talked about in the first preview, a lot of Indiana's danger comes from their wide areas, and they have several players out on those wings that will match up against both of the DeRosa twins. Um, Ben Ben should be back. He was in training and everything. I think just a bit of a virus or something. I don't know. Um, But he's back. Speculate, speculate. Speculate, speculate. Again, that hasn't been confirmed, but I saw him yesterday, so... Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be a very difficult challenge for both the De- the DeRosas. And I know Malfa was here when we previewed the first Indiana game, so you can kind of have a little bit of say in it as well. But um, it's back to College Park for Maryland. The Big Ten tournament 
semifinals and finals are hosted at Ludwig Field, which is great for us and great for Maryland to be able to come back home. True. Um, and it's it really it's going to be a hostile atmosphere, I think, for for the visiting teams. Absolutely. And that's something we obviously talked about before. And now Indiana comes back into College Park where they had their only conference loss. And I forget the numbers off the top of my head. I'll Five years or something. It was something like that. I'll figure it out when I do my prep for It was Friday. a long time. It was. But it was a dominant Maryland performance in the first half. Three goals in the first 45 scored by David Kovacic, Eric Matzlevich, and Johannes Bergman. Yes, Okay. Cool. exactly. Um, and the word I used was a blitz. Yeah. Just a, a incredibly important 28 yeah. minutes. It was I like think, 74 between seconds between two of the goals or something yeah. like something crazy like that. And then yeah. another like quick maths 26. Yeah, yeah, good quick maths. Um, so yeah, and uh, we talked to the the Hoosier Network. We'll be back in town. I know Connor Hines and Jared Rigdon are flying in. Good lads. Today, Friday. I'm not sure when they're actually getting here. They will be here again. Um, and when we talked to them before the first Indiana game, we both agreed it's very similar situations for both teams. If Maryland scores first, they have a very good chance of winning the game. If Maryland does not score first, I still don't think we've actually found the record here of how many times they've gotten a result after trailing, but it hasn't been great. We no, can say that with certainty. Just from the eye test. Yeah, exactly. And Indiana is actually kind of the same way. The guys over at the Hoosier Net were saying that if Indiana scores first, they have a pretty good chance of kind of locking down. They have a very strong defense. But if they concede first, it's very difficult for them to come from behind. I think you kind of saw that in the Maryland game as Maryland was just all over them. Like, is, what is the saying? Like, white on rice? Is that, can I say that? Sure. I think I can. Um, and so it, it didn't really give Indiana a chance to no. get back into that game before they ran the score up on them. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of thing you see. And there's all this rhetoric. It's like about a young team or yeah, whatever. Yeah, for Indiana. Um, yeah, rather, sorry. Um, but I, d I don't even know if that's, if that's necessarily the case so much as it's just a team that hasn't been pushed much. Hasn't yeah. lost much. I think you you have these teams in college soccer and soccer in general, mm -hmm. who when they they have this fear factor about them, right? And you take the game to them, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Hang on a minute, what's going on here?" And yeah. that's what you saw from Maryland. Yeah, and now as we kind of turn our attention towards this game, uh, I I don't think that there's anybody that will say they expect the same result this time around. Absolutely. And not. Sasha has said several times this week that he thinks that that three nothing scoreline was very flattering to Maryland. Yes. And they expect a much more difficult test. Yeah. Well, you, the the thing you absolutely have to know is that the first what was it six seven minutes of that first game, Indiana was all over yeah. Maryland. All of Maryland could have very easily been one nil, and then you're looking at a completely very different, different game. completely different match. Yeah, and so I think, again, you're going to see the teams pushing right out of the gates, um, and that's something that Maryland has struggled with a few times, yeah. trying to get that momentum right at the start of the, the, the first whistle. And you actually saw that against Northwestern as well, is for the first maybe 15 minutes, the ball hardly left Maryland's half the field, the defensive half the field. Yeah. And while everything wasn't threatening for Northwestern, that's just how it was. You're not – I know the conditions. I know all that played into it as well. But you're not going to be able to do that against Indiana no. who will make – who will punish you. They no, will make you better. They absolutely will. So um, now Indiana is essentially at full health. Um, I saw Todd Yeagley speaking to the media at Indiana through the Hoosier Network. Thank you, guys. Um, uh, I think Ian Black is the only one that's out, who is an offensive bench player, but the core of their team is healthy, firing on all cylinders, and coming into this game, 
I, I said it, and I think you said that Sasha said the exact same thing with a vengeance. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that definitely plays a part, especially when you're as good of a team as Indiana is. Yeah. A 3-0 loss is an embarrassment. Correct. A, a one or one nil, you know, one goal loss there, you know, we weren't quite there. Three nil that, and although what was it, a flattering scoreline? Yeah, that's still an embarrassment. Yeah, especially in the Big Ten, you've had a record that was, I guess, very precious to you, just kind of knocked away and yeah. whatever. So I think this will be a very different Indiana performance. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, having seen what I've seen from them, I don't know if they can change things too much tactically. Yeah. Cause, I don't um, think you see either team change too much time. No, absolutely. But what what I will say and what I mean by that is that Indiana has always been a team, or this season rather, just been a team that uses the wings. Yeah. And Maryland just nullified that threat. Mm-hmm. Completely nullified that threat. And then, and so where does Indiana go from here is the question. Yeah. What's, what's the next move? Because then if they say, okay, well, we're going to push people up, try and put more guys in the attack, mm-hmm. then you just leave yourself more exposed at the back. Yeah. Which is how Maryland won that game. Mm-hmm. Even though it was like a 3 nil, it was a counter-attacking 3 nil basically. Yeah. So it, it's it's a fascinating tactical it prospect, is. to be honest. Yeah, and it, it's not only – if you are a college soccer fan, you should be watching every Maryland-Indiana game there is, Regardless. whether it's regular season, Big Ten tournament, or college cup like we saw last year. Yeah. This is a tactical master class from two of the best coaches in college soccer. You have some of the best college soccer players on both teams. Yeah. I know it, just the history of both of these teams as well is – Fantastic. I know Maryland soccer tweeted today, eight of the last 11 Big Ten trophies have been won by either Maryland or Indiana. 12 combined national titles, 25 combined U.S. men's national team players, and 30 combined active MLS players. That's insane. It's a classic matchup every time you get it. It's insane. And so regardless of how you want to look at it, it's going to be fun. Um, It's a result that I think a lot of people could see going going either way. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think think Maryland – sneaks one out mm-hmm. to be honest i think um it, like you said i think the most important thing we've touched on really today is that is that idea of maryland executing mm-hmm. i think this team has always been on the same the same page there's there's no there's not really been a been at any point a confusion i think it's just an execution thing and you saw yeah. maryland against indiana execute yeah execute perfectly and if they do that if they play to that level and if right out the gate they're there mm-hmm. i don't think there are too many teams that that can withstand that. Mm-hmm. So I look for Maryland to do the same thing. Ludwig Field Friday night. Yep. So it's a it's a proper harsh atmosphere for a team that I think could could really do it. Yeah. And one little note that I learned at practice yesterday, I, t- I tweeted about it too. Um, for the Big Ten tournament, it is standard protocol that student tickets cost one dollar. And which yes, I agree. You made a face. I agree. It's not a great system. However, um, the team itself in Sasho and the rest of the kind of the decision-making cohort there. Whoever that may be. Yes, Taylor Smith being one of them. Yes. um, uh, Has decided to foot the bill for for all students that want to attend. So it is free student admission to this game uh, courtesy of the team. That's fantastic. Which which I think is a very classy gesture um, for for the whole weekend. So um, it's a program that that does it right, I think, in just terms of kind of how it it treats its its fans and supporters and all that. So um, and that will go for both games if Maryland is able to get to the championship game on Sunday, which is a terrific segue. Thank from you Benenalo. very much. Um, and so again, this is where it's hypothetical. This is the first time we have previewed a hypothetical game on this podcast. It's all that. Yeah, it's very weird, and it makes sense because now it's tournament time kind yeah, of thing. But sure. it's it's just a weird kind of concept. And so this is. 
If Maryland is able to get past Indiana, you made your prediction that Maryland squeaks one out. One nil. Uh, Joe Malfa said that, yes, 2-1 in overtime, he added to me this morning, and I do not want to make a prediction. You so, don't? I, I don't. Okay. Sorry sorry to disappoint, but I just – that's – I don't like doing that. Oh, um, fine. At, at this at this point in tournament time, I don't like regular season. I'll make the predictions, but okay. that's just how All I right. am for for anything. So okay. this is if Maryland is able to get past Indiana tonight on Friday, uh, they will either they will face the winner of Michigan or Penn State. Yes. And now those are two results that are very fresh in the mind of the Maryland team. Yeah. Kind of closing out their regular season, and neither result went their way. No, and those were two very those are two polarizing games to be honest. I thought the Penn State one, the the three two loss in overtime was was a real heartbreaker and that's yeah. how all the players described it. No, I don't think Maryland were were uh at their best that no. game. Uh but that there was a lot of there was a bit of luck involved for Penn State, couple calls that yeah. went their way, couple couple uh, what was it that um Sasha said, a couple bounces that didn't go our way, something like yeah, that, yeah. which is a perfect cliche, but hey it 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 wasn't necessarily a bad Maryland performance, but so it goes, right, in this yeah. sport. So the Penn State one I'd be really pissed off about if I were Maryland. Yeah. The Michigan one, that's difficult because that is one of the few games this season where, especially in the second half, sitting there watching it thinking, Wow, Maryland's getting outplayed here. Yeah. So it's it's a really it's a you'd hope for one team there if you're Maryland and yeah. that's gotta be Penn State. Yeah. And but it's also when you look at the first half to kind of play devil's advocate, the first half of the Michigan game, Maryland came out very strong, was able to get on the board. They got those two goals. However, it was and it was kind of back and forth in the first yes. half. I'm not saying Maryland dominated the first half, but I'm saying at from the halftime whistle to start the second half it was all Michigan yeah and so that's the part you would be worried about for Maryland the first half you maybe can make some adjustments and get that result in the end um but the second half if you play like that there's no chance of, of getting a result yeah and I firmly believe that Michigan has the best player in the Big Ten Jack Hallahan yeah he's yeah. he's terrific yeah. and he caused Maryland all sorts of problems so you got to figure him out if you're playing him on Sunday to yeah. be honest and so that is a chance for Maryland to come in to that championship game either way with a vengeance, uh, yeah. having lost, those were the last two regular season games of the year for them: the loss at Penn State three to two, and then the loss at home to Michigan four to two. So, um, again, that is hypothetical. That is, if Maryland is able to get past Indiana, which the team will tell you, they no one is looking past Indiana. Absolutely, there is not. no eyes on Absolutely Sunday. Not. Only Friday at seven o'clock. Um, and so that will be a fascinating, fascinating matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So if you're not able to get to the game. Um, and it's actually weird this one because it's <laughs> it's so, always weird for some reason. It is always it. weird. Well, I'm, I'm talking about in terms of the streams of the game because obviously yes, it's always I'm, weird because of that. Yes, and so the Michigan Penn State game is at four o'clock again at Ludwig Field. Okay, that game will be streamed live on BTN. Go watch it on BTN. Be my guest. Yeah, it doesn't involve me. The Maryland <laughs> game. <laughs> Uh, against I have a stake in exactly. I yeah, that against Indiana is at seven o'clock, and it's being shown on a tape delay at midnight on BTN. Excuse me, what? So it is not being shown live on television. That game. Excuse me, Maryland Indiana. Correct. In the Big Ten tournament Correct. semifinal is not available on live TV. Correct. Not even on BTN Plus. Well, that's different. It's it's like some weird. It's like on like FS. 
ate the ocho or something. I don't know. It's like the ocho. It's, yeah, it was a joke. A lot and of. so it's like being streamed online, but like not behind the paywall, but like again, not on like tell. Like you cannot sit down. Point is, listen to WMUC. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> yes. Um. So I will have the call with Ben Curtis, uh, tonight at seven o'clock on WMUC Sports, and I love that. That's the. This will be the third time I've called that matchup, and I've loved every single one of them. And I'll be on the halftime show. You will be on the halftime show. Hell yeah. Um, so, but we'll cover that again at the very end of the podcast. But I just wanted to say that the streaming for this weekend is a little Whack. bit weird. Yeah, especially because you have one of the best matchups in the nation not on TV. So uh, our Pro Terp segment is going to be a little different. Like I said, it's actually not going to be Tom and I sitting here talking about, about Pro Terps. We are actually what? going to hear. <laughs> don't be so disappointed, Tom. <laughs> um, so we're actually going to hear from one of our Pro Terps. Uh, but first, to kind of recap, I know Joe and I previewed MLS Cup last weekend. Now the final score was Seattle 3, Toronto 1. And who predicted that, Brendan? Both you and Ben Curtis Thank did. you very so, much. Um, so the Terps in that game, Sabasa Endo, Patrick Mullins, Omar Gonzalez, did not come out on the winning end. Absolutely not. Um, Joe and I talked about how Zach Steffen was not called on the most recent U.S. Men's National Team camp. That is due to knee tendonitis. He did play for Fortuna Dusseldorf in their weekend matchup, and everybody was like, oh, why is he good to play for them but not for the U.S. National Team? He's taking the international break to rest his knee. If you're going to miss a few weeks, this is kind of the time to do it a little bit if you want to look at it like that. So I'm not up in arms about I, that I smile all. because you are slightly defensive, and that's funny. Defensive of Zach? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I would love him in between the pipes for a crucial U.S. national team game. But I under long term, if you're a Maryland fan, U.S. national team fan, whatever, you you want him to get this just handled out of the way. I think it might be a bit of an injury. He you, says you with quotation Yeah, marks. I was going to say you can't see the he air says, quotes at times. He says with air quotes. But hey, um, look, we can debate about this. Yeah. Um, it's it's really I, I don't think there's too much of a debate. He's in a bit not in the in the camp. Um, but one person, like we said, that was called into the camp or the pre-camp that is did not make the final roster was Chase Gasper. First time getting called into the uh, eyes of the U.S. Senior National Team, and he went through that week-long pre-camp with Greg Berhalter with the players, and actually. He came back home on Tuesday to train with the guys here. Aww. And I was up in the training room with Paul talking to him as practice was going on, talking to Paul, that is. And he was like, oh, yeah, like, and Chase is here to train with the guys. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he got here like an hour ago. He's, he's just train, training with them. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to see what I can do with that. And yeah. so I went down. Sure enough, Chase is running around in a bib and wearing somebody else's Maryland gear. Love that. And then I asked Taylor, their their media afterwards, I was like, is there any way I can, I can chat with chase after this he's like yeah sure why not like it's not 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 a big deal and so i actually had just a few minutes afterwards to uh chat with chase gasper u.s men's national team member chase gasper um almost rookie of the year should have been a little bit higher in that chase gasper so um i did video of this you might have seen it on on twitter and social media and stuff like that but i'm actually going to now play the audio of the few minutes i got to chat with chase about his season with minnesota and a little bit of life with dane and i think chase calls it the great north and then his experience with the u.s national team so now we will go to our brief interview with uh former terrapin current minnesota united fullback and u.s men's national team member chase gasper so congrats. Thank you so that, much. That was awesome. Thank you. Um, we were all very excited when we, when we heard that. So first of all, we'll start with Minnesota because you had an awesome season. Kind of what was it like your rookie season, but doing it with the team that kind of made history, first playoff appearance for that club? 
Oh, it's incredible. Um, <clears throat> from day one, it's been such a blast. The the coaching staff, I'm so thankful and grateful that they took a chance on me at the draft, and um, uh, as well as Dane and Hassani, the other rookies. And day one, everybody took us in with open arms. The older guys, you know, the, they showed us the ropes. Ike Opara, Ethan Finley, Eric Miller, Vito Minone. We had such great leadership on the team, and so um, it's easy to follow in those guys' footsteps when you see them doing the right things, being good professionals, taking care of their bodies, um, how they treat every person in the staff. So uh, it's easy to acclimate and catch on to things. So um, great coaching, great leaders on the team, and great teammates. So it made for an awesome year. And like you said, we made history. So hopefully uh, go back and go further next year, hopefully win it all. So you got to go with Dane. So that was that must have been, what was that kind of like going through both of your rookie seasons kind of together? It, it made it so much easier because we were roommates here at Maryland. And then uh, when at the draft, so Dane got picked first. He was the seventh pick. And then they traded up for me. I was the 15th pick. So when I was walking up to the stage, I was kind of in shock. So it didn't really register that Dane got picked too. But he was standing waiting for me on the way up to the stage. And then it hit me. So we gave each other a huge hug. And I couldn't stop smiling <laughs> after that because uh, it definitely made it a lot easier, the transition. It, up to the, the Arctic North up in Minnesota. But uh, yeah, so we got a place there in downtown Minneapolis. It's a lot of fun. And um, it was a blast to experience that and have our rookie years together. And so new stadium up there, kind of obviously a new club. But what's the atmosphere up like there? Because it seems kind of crazy. It's incredible. I mean, I, I was spoiled with the, the fans you get here at Ludwig and the crew and definitely the best fans in college soccer. But then to go to the MLS, the next level, and have the best fans again there. It's, it's been uh, really exciting and a lot of fun. It makes every game super special. And walking around the city, people are all uh, excited about the team. There's soccer fanatics up there. So um, it really makes it like a 12th man factor at our home games. It's, it's a tough place for opponents to come and play, and we know that. So if you look at our home record, we we win just about every game at home, and that's because of how great the fans are. So very thankful for them. And then national team, which is which is huge, um, obviously because of your amazing season that you had. But what was it kind of like? What was your emotions going into your first national team camp? Um, I was excited. I mean, after such a a long but also successful season with just great teammates. Uh, that push you every single day. Our coaches, every day they're pushing us to be our best. And that's why, you know, we had such a successful campaign. So um, definitely a little nervous, but more excitement than anything to just carry on and um, keep trying to push myself further and further and get better and better. And um, it was an awesome experience, huge learning experience, learned a lot from Coach Burhalter, the rest of the staff, but also the guys on the team, you know, they, they help me out a lot because it's, it's a very different style of play. Um, tactically how he likes to set up an attack and so learned a lot uh, definitely improved in just the small amount of time I was there for a week and I'm just gonna keep working as hard as I can to hopefully get back to those camps and what was kind of Burhalter's conversation with you coming in maybe at the end of camp what was his kind of his feeling uh, he just said you know you great year you know you guys did great but also as a rookie to come in and start and have the campaign that I did. He said, that speaks volumes. So we're going to keep you on the radar. Uh, just keep working hard. And uh, it was the same message that uh, Adrian Heath, our head coach at Minnesota United, said that 
every day you have to go in with the mentality that I'm going to get better and improve something every single day. And so I'm just going to go in with that mentality and I'm relaxed for a few weeks and off season. It's been a long 10 months, but I had to come out and see these guys here, but get take two weeks off, relax, get my body right. And then start improving a little bit every single day. What was maybe the, the most surprising thing in the national team camp that you just maybe didn't expect or was just kind of was new? Just the level, the level, the speed of play, the intensity, the focus. I mean, every aspect of the game is amplified times 10 because these are the best players in the country. And so you really got to bring it every day. And like you said, focus on improving on some aspect of your game every single day. But um, yeah, it was just definitely the very first practice you know, you're all friends, you're all teammates, but as soon as you step on that field and that whistle blows, everyone's fighting for their spot, working as hard as they can. So it's um, a new level of intensity and uh, grit that picked up and learned throughout the week. So I'm going to put that under my belt and carry that into the next season. Once again, I'd like to thank Chase for just taking a few minutes with me uh, the other day to just kind of talk about all this stuff. It's fun when you get to have those guys come back and yeah. still still be with the the program and things like that. So um, that's kind of going to do it. We we've covered a lot in this game or in this podcast so far about the games, about the players, um, and so you can catch the game live on WMEC Sports Radio tonight at seven o'clock. Friday, Maryland versus Indiana in the Big Ten tournament semifinals in front of what I'm sure is going to be a packed Hope Ludwig so. Field. Uh, I will have the call alongside my good friend Ben Curtis, and that will be just so much fun, uh, regardless of how the result goes. It's just going to be a great, a great atmosphere. And then, since we don't know if the Big Ten Championship game is going to involve Maryland just yet, we will have the call for that game. I will have it with Joe Malfa if it happens. If not, I will be doing women's basketball for BTN. I have, I'm calling three games in three days this weekend. Okay, you special so, snowflake. Yeah, so okay, don't even advertise that during Friday. I will have coverage of the game, complete with lineup graphics. I was, going, I was getting to that. <laughs> I was covering the broadcast part and then getting the writing part. Um, so yes, and Tom, as always, will have the live tweets. He's going to try to pull together a lineup graphic. We'll see if he can. Um, <laughs> and then he will have obviously the gamer and uh, some tactical analysis, I'm the sure, day at the day after Absolutely. that, um, regardless of if Maryland's in the Big Ten Championship or if we have to wait to see them in the NCAA Championship. So it's weird now that we're in the postseason. We don't know if next week the podcast is going to be recapping a Maryland Championship win or appearance or if we're going to be straight into kind of NCAA tournament play. Yeah. We don't know. It's going to be fun, though. It will be fun. But both games can be caught here on WMC Sports Radio this week, tonight, Friday at 7 or Sunday at a time that is escaping me. I want to say like 2. It will be 2, but there's a – or it's supposed to be 2, but these things it's are volatile. Weird. It's very weird. Maryland was supposed to play tonight or this afternoon at 4 – but then it was switched to 7, which works very well for you. But, oh, I love that. Um, yeah. So, anyway, tonight, 7 o'clock, Maryland, Indiana, WMC Sports, myself and Ben Curtis, myself being Brennan Hartlow, um, and Tom will have all the written coverage. So, Brilliant. Tom, once again, thank you for your time. Always a pleasure. And we will, I'm sure, hear you on one of the future podcasts. But, um, once again, that will do it for this episode of the Ludwig Lowdown, our 12th episode Woo. of our Maryland Men's Soccer Podcast right here on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Tom Hindle. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps! <laughs>